0: Entrepreneurs are, um, in my opinion, the kind of most courageous and most necessary people in any free enterprise economy. They're the people who start companies. They take enormous risk compared to salaried people like me, and they are by nature innovators and job creators. And without them, there is no such thing as free enterprise. They're sort of free enterprise crystallized. Then yet. There're not a lot of people out there who help them. Um, It's an extremely lonely job because who could you talk to about the things that worry you? You can't talk to your employees. You can't talk to your investors, and you can't talk to your competitors about it. And so, a publication like Inc. is helping those admirable business people succeed, telling them what they need to know, helping them benchmark themselves as people and as business leaders and benchmark their businesses against you know the world at large Uh, and that is a really important purpose.
1: Welcome to the Secrets of Success podcast. I'm your host Dr. Ken Keyes. Well today's show is amazing. I just had the opportunity to interview the CEO of Inc magazine, as well as Fast Company magazine, Eric Schoenberg. Now, Eric and I got to meet each other personally at an event that he hosted with one of the number one coaches in the world, Dr. Marshall Goldsmith, in their office uh, at World Trade Center number seven in New York, just a year ago. You know, one of the things when we think about insights and where people go, Eric's story is fascinating about how he started as an actor and then just ended up being a journalist so I want you to listen to that but one of the things that really came up and it's really the work in the heart of CRG and that is you know we need to develop and mature ourselves to be able to be effective with not only ourselves but with other people you know when we think about our leadership skills or how we show up or developing credibility with other people one of our core sort of frame sets or mindsets is around how our tools and assessments do that. So my encouragement is if you haven't engaged our tools or resources before, or if you already have, but there are others around you who haven't, then my encouragement is, you know, consider completing the personal style indicator or the values preference indicator. We just recently finished a three-day certification with a a bunch of individuals, uh, professionals from around uh, North America and they all said at the is this is transformational if we want to look about your health or wellness or even deeper for those of you in a leadership role the leadership skills uh, inventory and the power that it can bring as far as the 60 skills to develop yourself to the next level you know if you like what we're doing here obviously you must to a certain point you're listening right at the moment we just thank you in advance for leaving a positive review on whatever platform you're listening to iTunes, SoundCloud, Google play whatever stitcher whatever platform that you're on as well as could you share and pass it on so that we can grow our impact on our tribe around the world thank you again for listening and spending your most valuable commodity your time we believe that it will not it will be well invested today with the interview with eric schurmberg Well, I am so privileged to have an individual that I personally met in New York just a year ago. Now, of course, you could be listening to this podcast months or years after we record it, but this individual is well-known for what he produces, maybe not as well-known as far as his name linked to it, but a gentleman he was amazing to kind of interact with, and he hosted a coaching development session with Dr. Marshall Goldsmith, most of you know one of the top. Uh, coaches in the world. And so we have the CEO of Mansuta Ventures, but really, for most of us, we know them as the operators and the owners of Inc. Magazine and Fast Company Media Properties. Welcome to the show, Eric Schurmburg. Eric, thanks for Uh, joining us. Oh, my pleasure, Ken. Nice to be here. And so, Eric, did I say your last name correctly? Schoenberg, that's right. Yeah, perfect. So, Eric, you know, as we uh, delve into it and we'll get into sort of your journey to success and and having these amazing, um, really, development and insightful uh, properties of Inc. and Fast Company, let's kind of, what we like to do in, on SOS is to kind of get a person's journey and story. So, Eric, what was sort of your growing up years? Where do you, Where were you born and what was sort of your... You know, teenage kind of years in your family background?
0: Well, I grew up in uh, a suburb outside of Cincinnati, Ohio. So, right in the middle of the country, uh, sort of the very definition of middle America with baseball and backyards and. You know, sandlot baseball at Little League, and I can't think I said baseball more than once. So that was kind of an indication of what mattered to me a lot as a kid. Uh, and um, I had a, a loving kind of event-free, uh, tragedy-free upbringing. So things were, life was pretty smooth. Um well,
1: now and, what did your parents uh, do? What, were, what was sort of their... My life? father was a
0: sales engineer for General Electric, and General Electric... Which was, you know, not the, was a much bigger company with many, many different lines of business, not kind of the shell of what it used to be. Uh, And um, General Electric had been like the family company that um, generations of Schoenberg's and Willow's, my mother's family, had worked for. And uh, so he was a career guy, the kind of life that you could have back in mid century America worked for the company for his entire career, um, and my mom was a homemaker.
1: And siblings?
0: I have two brothers and a sister, all quite accomplished and, and uh, successful in their lives.
1: And you got along with them when you were growing up, as you said?
0: Ah, no, I fought with them like crazy, but it was nothing out of the ordinary.
1: <laughs> of course, I have two brothers and I can relate to that one as well, Eric. So yeah. I appreciate that. So that's pretty cool. So when you uh, think about sort of your high school years, what did you do after that? What were some of the decision-making, reflection points to leave there and go to your next stage? Uh, I went to a,
0: a Jesuit high school in Cincinnati. And the, the Jesuits, as you may know, are very proud of their intellectual teaching and the success rate of their students. And so I was lucky enough to go from there to, um, to an Ivy League college in the East. I went to Brown University in Rhode Island. So I left the Midwest, uh, went to New England for an education, and, um, and then came to New York to seek my fortune as an actor. Wow. Uh, so okay. I did not join the workforce as the journalist that I later became. Instead, I had stars in my eyes and wanted to be a successful actor, did which means... A, uh,
1: which means what?
0: I, well, which for, for, as it does for many actors in New York, I'd, I spend most of my time driving a cab or waiting on tables or doing other odd jobs. But eventually, I started to work. And um,
1: Well, a cab is actually working. Just driving a cab. Uh, yes, right. I started to work as an actor,
0: yes. Uh, driving a cab is hard work, really hard work. Uh, so I was waiting at table. And uh, that, uh, but, you know, after that kept body and soul together, and eventually I did land work as an actor and worked a lot in regional theater around uh, the East. Um, I worked in Pittsburgh and New Brunswick, New Jersey, and Bar Harbor, Maine, and Philadelphia, uh, and, um, and Chicago, and out of that, uh, once I started to work, I realized that acting was not for me, that, um, that I really wanted to have a family and, uh, and a middle-class life like the family that brought me up, and I didn't want to be a gypsy, and that's, um, unless you make it on television or something like that as a, uh, you know, a really high-paid actor. The acting life is a lot of traveling around for six weeks engagements in various regional theaters, and that was not the life I wanted.
1: Mm. When you went to Browns, uh, Eric, what did you take? What was your major in? I majored in theater arts. Oh, surprise. <laughs> well, it, was,
0: it led to my uh, career choice, obviously. Uh, at it, Brown has a much more, and most colleges now have a much more developed theater department now than they did at that time. it just re, at that time it really meant that I um, read a lot of plays and uh, and occasionally acted in school productions. But what people had told me was that um in in you know even when I was doing papers for these theater arts courses, uh, I became a very knowledgeable guy about seventeenth century English plays. So ask me any question you want about Thomas Decker or Thomas Middleton or um, any of the other Shakespeare's contemporaries. Um, But people told me I could write. And so I thought, well, for my next phase, I'll try to work that purported skill into my career. And so I went back to college at a summer course called the Radcliffe Publishing Procedures course. It was then at uh, Radcliffe College. It's now at NYU, I think. Mm. And it was basically a finishing school for the publishing industry. And professionals from New York and Boston would would come to Cambridge there and look look over the young talents and often give them jobs. And that's what happened to me. Compared to... Getting a job in show business, getting hired in publishing was way easy. And what's more, once you got the job, it didn't end in six weeks and send you back to square one waiting tables. Mm. So okay. I was hired by Time Life.
1: Time Life. Okay. So, uh, sorry Time Life have, Books, right. I just want sure. to uh, segue back for a moment, Eric, as we help the listeners. What were some of the insights? When you think about it, here's this dream for your whole life to be – sort of on this acting stage and space, and it turned out to be different. What, what, what are some of the life lessons that you learned through this transition to actually not le- let go of, but sort of leave that journey or that dream and then move on to something else? What could you share with the audience that would be insightful that you went through to help us to make decisions?
0: So that was uh, that's a good question, Ken. Uh, for me, there were a couple things that turned out to be um, good lessons that set my career on the course that it eventually took. One was that I noticed that the successful actors uh, tended to be part of a network. Um, actors who'd gone to Yale or to Juilliard had a kind of built-in network of their classmates who worked all over the country in theater and um, tended to let each other know about auditions or openings on in plays and things like that. And the credential was very important to many casting directors. So when I decided to make a change, I thought, right, well, what is the network for publishing and how can I get into it? And that's how I discovered that Radcliffe publishing course and figured that this was a short way to get into the publishing old boy network. And indeed, it was. Um, there are other things too about the technique of acting that are valuable to anyone who ever does presentations or um, uh, or basically has to uh, appear in front of other people or, or even setting goals. One of the tricks about acting is to lose self-consciousness when you're on stage. You can't be constantly thinking about how you look to the audience or you'll be totally distracted and your performance will be mediocre at best. Mm. Instead, you have to focus on what it is the character is doing and then really sincerely try to do that. So if you look at the script of an actor who's been trained, what you find is that the script is kind of all marked up with pencil as they write in in the margin that their motivation at this point is to, whatever it might be, to persuade, to get comfortable, to, um, uh, you know, insult somebody, and then that colors what they, how they perform that action, and all of a sudden it becomes convincing because they're really trying to do it in character.
1: Mm. Well, this supports so much of the research, Eric, that one of the characteristics qualities of some of the most successful people in life have the ability to influence in a positive way. And so you're just affirming that and that those skills and the refinement is something that you can learn and you can do.
0: I I think that's true. And that um, um, self-consciousness, self-criticism, watching yourself from a distance is never going to help you in any endeavor. What really matters is being in the moment and focusing on the goal that you have at that time.
1: Fair enough. Well, thank you, Eric, for those insights. So now you're transitioning. You're you're moving into sort of this journalistic mode with uh, time. Did I say time life? Is that correct?
0: Yeah, right. It was time life books.
1: Time life books. So what were you writing about? It.
0: Yeah. That do you time? remember?
1: I do. Oh. I'm old enough to oh. It
0: books. was. Oh. It was. Uh, it was a wonderful job. It was like being paid to go to school. So I, I worked on a series of books about um, science. So I learned all about the subject of the, the book that you know over that two-month period. Um, so I became an instant expert in meteorology, in physical anthropology, in computer science. Um, it was great. And um, then I moved on to other series. So I worked on a series about World War II. And uh, a series about um, african uh, you know African peoples, African nations, and that was fascinating and came into play later on in life when I would amaze um, people from Ghana or from um, Nigeria by recognizing the um, the ethnic group that they came from, which was not what they expected for some white guy from Ohio <laughs>
1: Yeah, well, everybody from there knows that uh, information, <laughs> you know that for sure as part of it. Yeah. Well, one of the things that you're talking about is that you just got enthralled with and became this expert, and your ability to connect with others, be part of a conversation, you had just matured yourself, developed yourself. By the way, I remember the those books because they just seem to be more engaging than Encyclopedia Britannica. <laughs> yeah. They were. They were written by journalists,
0: often magazine journalists who had come out of the Time Life um, factory. And so they were meant to be engaging from the very beginning. They were great storytellers who would tell stories around the, um, you know, things like, even things that didn't seem to lend themselves to narrative, like science.
1: Hmm. Which those of us that are into it, uh, say, you know, there's all kinds of fascinating things there. You don't need to run, uh, though there are some yes. professors that make you want to run. So that's, thank you for doing a good job, Eric. So after that, where was, where was sort of the next step in this journalistic journey, if I could use two days behind each other?
0: Uh, well, <laughs> you can. Uh, once uh, inside the time-life empire, then it was a matter of moving laterally from one title to another. And that was also an education. And where I landed uh, after uh, a number of you know um, brief stints at Life magazine and Sports Illustrated, all storied time-life titles, I ended up at Money magazine, which at that time was a, was a new, a very popular and fast-growing magazine about personal finance, which, uh, like meteorology or physical anthropology, sounds like a you know, daunting and incredibly boring topic. But once you understand it and understand that it's really a lot about human psychology, um, it became fascinating.
1: Mm. What do you think is your motivation, Eric? What drives you? And when you think about, you know, you move from acting, now you're into journalism and you're really propelling information to serve others. What's the underpinning, for Eric, what, what drives you into this space? In other words, what's your purpose?
0: When I was young and trying to get into acting, I, it was uh, an entirely selfish act. I don't think that um, I felt that, uh, it, in fact, it never occurred to me that I needed to have a greater purpose other than, um, you know, getting a good review for a performance or getting the part in the first place. Um, But once at Money, and by then I was more grown up, uh, I began to realize that the purpose was to help people achieve security for their family and that financial security for their family. And that was a really good reason to get up in the morning. And I began to realize, too, how much of what is sold in the marketplace by financial services institutions that are take advantage of people's ignorance or fear of money? And I thought by explaining things and showing people a clear path to uh, success and financial security that I would be doing them some good. And I like to think that uh, I did.
1: Well, I'm sure I'm sure you have, <laughs> and you are as part of it. So, Eric, with that journey, let's skip into where you are now because I really want to make sure the listeners get your insights about life and what you're seeing and the trends and those kinds of things. So now you're um, at Inc. and Fast Company, and from what I can tell in, in your bio, you're also the owner. How did that come about to get to this stage?
0: Well, I'm the CEO. The owner is Joe Mansueto, whose name is on the door. Uh, but it's uh, it's unusual for someone who rose up through the editorial ranks to be CEO. It doesn't happen that often at um, publishing companies. And um, but I think that that's strictly a, a preference of uh, Joe Mansueto that he prefers that he, having been a journalism major in college before he went on to become a successful entrepreneur and financial expert, um, I, I think he identifies with editors and feels like the person who is involved in setting the mission and uh, tone of the publication is the best person to run it. That, um, uh, I, I don't know that everyone agrees with that, but I'm glad that he thought that about me and entrusted me with this role. So coming to Inc. uh, was where I started at Mansueto Ventures, started at just the one title as the editor of the website, uh, and then later became the editor of the website and the magazine, and then later became the president of the entire uh, Inc. media conglomerate, which also included events as well as digital and uh, print publications. And um, there, too, the sense of purpose was palpable. Entrepreneurs are... Um, In my opinion, the kind of most courageous and most necessary people in any free enterprise economy. They're the people who start companies. They take enormous risk compared to salaried people like me, and they are by nature innovators and job creators, and without them, there is no such thing as free enterprise. They're sort of free enterprise crystallized, and yet there are not a lot of people out there who help them um, there it's an extremely lonely job because who could you talk to about the things that worry you you can't talk to your employees you can't talk to your investors and you can't talk to your competitors about it and so a publication like Inc. is helping those admirable business people succeed telling them what they need to know helping them benchmark themselves as people and as business leaders and benchmark their businesses against you know the world at large uh, and that is a really important purpose. I, you know, I, if I ever had any doubt about that, it's dispelled by going to Inc. events like the Inc. 5000 or um, other events that Inc. has, and meeting the entrepreneurs and realizing what a difference we made in their lives and um, how unique Inc.'s role is in the, in the world of entrepreneurship.
1: Mm.
0: More well, recently, that.
1: being being a, an entrepreneur. I concur with all those comments.
0: Ah, yes. Well, uh, Martin, I I feel that it's uh, I ought to thank you for being an entrepreneur. That's uh, you've taken a risk that uh, a lot of us salary people are would never do. And uh, but without people like you, nothing gets done in a free enterprise economy
1: well that it, it it can be uh, sometimes lonely stressful and and yet at the same time if you talk to the majority of entrepreneurs they wouldn't want it any other way meaning that independence is just in their in their veins so eric with with that and you now that been really head of the publication for a while now what are some of the insights the you know we call this uh, show the secrets of success with dr ken keys so with that what are some of the secrets, what are some of the insights and the trends, if we think about business owners or professionals, whoever's listening to this, that you would be able to share that really have, are contributing to people's success in the marketplace today? So what, what would be some of the insights that you could share with our audience? And we'll delve deeper as you, as you so, share your sage wisdom. Well, uh, that's a question that,
0: that we ask all the time at Inc. and Fast Company. We ask What makes these people that we profile and whose inspiring stories we tell? What makes them successful? And we went so far as to survey the people who uh, are the most successful on the Inc. side, the entrepreneurs of the Inc. 5000. So the the Inc. 5000 is a ranking of the fastest-growing companies that we can identify in America. These are companies that have shared with us what their revenue growth has been over the previous three years and you know, and it submitted documentation to verify that growth to us. So, this is a really elite group of entrepreneurs, and we surveyed them and we compared, with the help of the Gallup people, uh, the, the results of mm-hmm. um, the survey with uh, ordinary entrepreneurs or, or ordinary business people. And right. what Gallup did was measure about a dozen to 15 traits that they hypothesized were important to success in business you know and there were things like salesmanship and leadership ability and so forth and four traits stood out among the inc 5000 and when i say they stood out the inc 5000 measured by gallup's metrics at something like 4x or 5x the general population
1: mm.
0: in these traits. And the first of them was um, a willingness to take risk. Now, that's not the same as recklessness, mm. uh, but it's a willingness to examine risks, measure them, and then take, you know, measured, intelligent risks. But being willing to stick your neck out there and realize that nothing could happen unless you do. Right. The second trait. Was something that I call grit, which is just perseverance. The uh, w- other researchers call it the growth mindset—the willingness to take, the willingness to take uh, disappointments and setbacks, and not interpret them as failures of your personality, but uh, or, you know—failures of your uh, ability and character, but rather as opportunities to grow and get better.
1: That's all. Um, and, Angela has her book out and that, she supports that and my wife uh, works at a university and they teach that to students so that's, um, that's excellent thank you Eric
0: business focus was another one these are people who are totally dedicated to um, the success of their business uh, they understand what drives it uh, and they understand um, how to get there uh, and the final uh, trait was the ability to get people to follow you. Because as an entrepreneur, you can't do that by yourself. You have to be—you uh, have to be persuasive. You have to kind of internalize the traits of leadership, the the things that really matter with leadership. And it's not so much charisma as it is selflessness, um, credibility. Uh, and ability to communicate um, and get people aligned behind the mission
1: mm-hmm. that
0: you feel that drives you so much in your in your entrepreneurial dream.
1: Mm. Well, it's interesting when you think about that whole area about credibility and follow you that gets right back to you know some of the research around influence. you know am I able to impact the people around me to do and be what I'm envisioning, and I get that. Thank you for that one of the um, uh, one of the
0: difficult things I think, for a lot of people to do um, a lot of entrepreneurs, for example, is that entrepreneurs are basically thrown into this leadership role. Um, it's one of one of Inc's uh, best the most famous writers, Lee Buchanan, put it that entrepreneurship is the only profession in which leadership is the entry-level position. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's true, I uh, and uh, I mean it is a kind of a cliche of every entrepreneur's journey that you know they start a company because they are the best coder that they know, or the, they're particularly good salesperson, or they are they see an opportunity and um, uh, you know of a, a gap in the marketplace, and they. Mm-hmm they're opportunistic and they step into it in that sense. But after a while, after they've succeeded enough to have 25, 50, 150 people working for them, they realize that they're the boss. And that's a whole different set of challenges that they might not even kind of thought that they were signing up for. But it, there's that moment of transition where you realize that um, you know this is not gonna work the way it did when I was a startup. That now I have to get other people to do the jobs that, you know, that I used to do when there were just five of us. And, um, and they have to be motivated
1: as I was to make the company successful. Well, thank you, Eric. Now, I want to switch gears just a little bit. And thank you for that. That's awesome for the audience. And we'll, I'll review that here in a minute. What, do you, what are some of the success principles that you go by for your own operation. So before you answer that, I just want to say to the audience that I met Eric in person. We had never met each other before. It was at the Marshall Goldsmith invitation event at your office, Eric. And Eric, I watched people show up for a day, and I watched you to interact. Um, Your humility, your um, servanthood was extremely noticeable your approachability, you know, given your position and who you are. There are others in the world who don't necessarily act that way. And I just wanted to say thank you, before you answer the question, for modeling a lot of the characteristics and traits that we try to, at our company try to instill in other leaders and managers. And so it was very evident of who you were. And if you were faking it and acting for seven or eight hours that we were together, you did a great job, but I don't think so. (laughs) No, no, I've given
0: up the acting game. So thank you, Ken. That's an awfully nice compliment. I, I'm really proud
1: uh, that I came across that way to you. Thank you. Uh, you're welcome. And so anyway, I if, I think sometimes when people are put into positions like yourself, and and that's the one thing about Marshall, he's so approachable as well, and that was just the nature of the room, also the people that you, of your team that were there, you could sense that they were part of that culture as well. So, when we go back to this original question, Eric, of the, the basically the principles that you guide yourself by that you would recommend to others, no matter if they're an entrepreneur or not, what are some of those that you think are important given sort of your level of maturity and, and wisdom over the years? Um. I think that uh, well, I, I'll, wh- why not answer that question by
0: by outlining for you what the um, the principles and practices are that that we try to adhere to at here at Mansueto Ventures, and I've lifted them, um, you know, uh, the hook line and sinker. Totally stolen them from Alan Mulally, who's one of my idols, and mm-hmm. I think is one of the great leaders that business has ever known certainly of the of the last century um, and um the message that i continually try to get across particularly now since we're a merged company a merged inc and fast company is that um the um is that we have to work together that we cannot um we cannot expect to succeed on our own. That we'll fail if we continue to think of ourselves as separate companies, and um, uh, or that we that we you know can't uh, that if we don't hog all the credit that we're not going to that we're not going to succeed. Um, so the principles just going to run through them quickly are include everybody because once you include everybody, you you have the whole team working together. If that's what you sincerely do. Mm that you show respect for everybody. Even if you don't agree with them, you have to go in with the assumption that they're working with the same goal that you are. You listen to them. And generally, I think if you listen to people, you'll find that there's a lot to respect there. It's only when you're thinking of what you're going to say next or you don't really listen to hard enough to hear the other person's point of view that you, you, that you don't understand them and don't respect them.
1: I'm just going to stop here, Eric, for the listeners. You said something brilliant. There is that where you're thinking about what you're going to say next versus listening. Yes, that is such an important. <laughs> we're like ADHD, and we're moving on to our, so we we inherently self-centered. But that's such an important piece. So I just wanted to emphasize that. Thank you. Oh yeah, I know, isn't it? It's
0: such a temptation to do, um, and uh, you know, just as human beings, we tend to always think that um everyone everywhere everyone's hanging on our word and yet reality will you'll learn a lot more Mm. if you listen and uh and in the end i think you will win trust because people will know that you paid attention um so uh, you know like listening listening and uh, respecting people you should appreciate their works show appreciation and uh that is worth um you know that's worth many bonuses and raises simply telling people that you recognize that they did a good job uh, and that they're a great teammate of yours. Um, Offering to help, realizing that your role in the company is to help other people succeed because that's going to help the enterprise succeed. Um, As a leader, it's your job to Have the plan, have the strategy, make sure everybody knows it, and it's your job as the follower to know what the plan is and to follow the plan, and that way everyone really is working together rather than working at cross-purposes. For us, a small publishing company in an industry that is challenged um, by all the change in technology and the change in our business, um, it's important for us to be scrappy and to feel like we can do a lot, with few people and few resources so we can cast a much bigger shadow than um than our numbers alone or our size would suggest we can we can cast and um, um finally have fun um we're here really really uh, are a, here? <laughs> 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 we're here on earth for not very long and so what's the point if you're not having a good time
1: oh there are so many people that are stuffy i couldn't agree with that uh, more Eric, though sometimes as a intense entrepreneur, my team would say, "Can't uh, lighten up a little, maybe?" Yeah. Well, th- that's when you should listen to them and appreciate them and respect their point of view. Oh, for sure, for sure. Well, we only have a few minutes left. Eric uh, to it and I want to make sure I mean most people will know what your websites are but could you give those out as far as both magazines the URLs, so that people sure. know where to go we'll put it in the show notes as well sure. but you can just do it auditorily sure
0: so the website for Inc is inc.com I-N-C.com. for Fast Company it's fastcompany one word dot com.
1: easy peasy uh, yeah so when we think about sort of wrapping up and putting all this together, and by the way, I just a uh, sidebar question. Um, you had hosted the Marshall Goldsmith sort of event in New York. Where, where did your relationship with Marshall uh, sort of start?
0: In the- uh, you know, I met Marshall when we... I met Marshall when we wrote about him in um, uh, in Money Magazine. And it was, you know, not the usual thing for um for money to write about a leadership coach uh and yet i realized that my philosophy about money was that the that it is simply it is a veil that stands between you and happiness and security and um uh And love, that those are the things that really matter in life, and money is worthless unless it helps you achieve those things. And Marshall seemed to know that. And so uh, Marshall's interview in Money wasn't really about finances at all, it was about how to be a better person, how to achieve happiness. Um, The two are very closely related. And um, uh, out of that, that interview grew a friendship that's lasted now for nearly 20 years.
1: Well, and of course, he he likes to have friends and and shows that, and his generosity at the New York event was evident there, so thank you. So what what would be some closing encouragement, signs, or or thoughts, or wisdom, Eric, that you would have for the listeners today?
0: Uh, I would say that um, there isn't... Anything magic about success in business? That a uh, recurrent theme you hear all the time from people who go on to become the most successful entrepreneurs is that they didn't know what they were doing when they started. Mm-hmm. Um, and often they joke that had they known how hard it would be, they wouldn't have tried in the first place. <laughs> and um, if they knew what was involved in their profession, they never would have tried because they'd have known better. And yet what got them into it was that they were willing to take a calculated risk, that they had that sense of determination, they had the grit, the just refusal to lose. That is one thing that you notice about entrepreneurs is that they are the most competitive people. And then they, once they got into the business and understood what needed to be done, they were relentlessly focused on it. That I think those things are not, um, you know, um, virtuoso level traits that you're born with or not born with. They're things that you can develop, and um, they're things that really just require you to um, to know them and to stick with them.
1: Well, thank you, Eric. Uh, we sure appreciate you joining us for the show today. Uh, it's very much appreciated. Oh, Ken, it was my pleasure.
0: Really enjoyed talking to you.
1: Well, SOS listeners, you are been listening to Eric Shermanberg, who is the CEO of Inc. Magazine and Fast Company, and all of us know the impact that they have done. It's been amazing. You know, think about the things that he was talking about. If we really want to be successful in life, are you willing to take the risk? can you have the grit and perseverance to stick to even when it looks like you can't make it now are you focused on the systems and really are you being all the things that eric talked about which i saw evidence in his team about being respectful and listening and appreciating others and offering and really being this developed mature person as always we thank you for spending your most valuable commodity with us that's your time if you like what we're doing please share pass it on let others know